Thank you, and uh, praise the Lord. I want to thank Reverend Walker for his lively devotions, and uh, God is good. And the, and the prison guard told you to be still. Uh, amen. So we, we, we thank the Lord. <laughs> um, Wildwood is coming up, and we're going to say more about that. Uh, remember, our services are 7 a.m. and uh, 9.30 a.m. respectively, and hope all of you had a uh, great 4th of July. We thank God again from whom all blessings flow, and uh, God is truly an awesome, awesome, awesome God. Amen? Now, today, let's go back to Genesis chapter 12, because what we started last week, we started... Uh, a biographical sketch on the patriarchs beginning with Abraham and we sit, we stated that although the book of Job is biblically positioned near Nehemiah, Job was a patriarch at the same time of uh, Abraham and so we have Abraham chapters 12 to 25 is Abraham and then um, Isaac, his son, is 25 to 27. That's relatively short. And then Jacob, who became Israel, 12 tribes of Jacob. Jacob is uh, like 27, 28, uh, all the way into chapter 36. And then Joseph is uh, 37 to 50. So one of the things that we, we wanted to establish and wanted to do is look at learning lessons as well as, you know, their liabilities from the patriarchs. And uh, Romans 15, 4 again says, for the things that happen aforetime happen for our admonition, happen for us to learn from them. And uh, I, I, I think it's really worthwhile to periodically do a biographical sketch on biblical characters, there were over 40 biblical writers, and and uh, if if you were or if I were uh, in the Bible by name, someone could do a biographical sketch on the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and downs, the ebbs, the flows, and what this does, it helps us to identify with God's uh, hall of fame of faith, God's people. And some of the things they were faced with, some of the things they went through, and we start to see a maturing effect as we grow up in Christ. And so I'm, I'm a, I, I, I think this is extraordinary. We said the first 11 chapters uh, dealt with the creation period of um, creation of the universe, chapters 1 and 2, and then chapter 3, the fall, and then chapter 6, the flood. And then uh, chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. And, and so um, we, we hope to glean from the life of these patriarchs. And, and let me say this to you. Um, they made a lot of mistakes as we, as we have. They made a lot of mistakes as we have. And, and uh, everything relative to life is etched in these pages of Genesis, which means beginnings. So the, the beginning of the family, the beginning 
of sin, uh, the beginning of struggle, uh, and, 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 and hopefully we'll begin to pick up some things that are, are, are at close view. And what we examine, we, we start to see their directions, their decisions, their developments, their delays, their defeats, and, and uh, their strength struggles and strategies as they were led by God. And one of the things I want us to do this evening is there, 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 are, there are three words I want to uh, bring up to your attention. I, I, I want us to kind of look in a reflective mood. Uh, I want us to look in, in, into an uh, intuitive mood. And then I want us to look in a responsive mode, how we responded to uh, issues. And this, this is like a cycle in life. And it's interesting that when we, um, what we established last week, and I kind of put everything into an alliteration of C's, and I want you to turn to chapter 12 and of Genesis, and we're going to have some, hopefully, some lively discussion um, it, it is Abraham's calling. It's Abraham's calling. I'm just reviewing what we did last week real quickly. In, uh, in 1130 and in chapter 12, 1, and 1130 it says, But Sarai was barren and had no child, and, and Terah took Abram, uh, his son, that's, that's, that's Abram's father, Terah, and Lot, the son of Haran. Haran is his brother, or Abram's, uh, I mean, Terah's brother, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son's, uh, Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from the Ur of the Galdees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. One of the things we established was we gave kind of a timeline that April, we, it, it is believed that Abraham was called at age 60. He was called to go to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and go towards Canaan at age 60. And, um, but God didn't tell him to take all these people with him. And in taking, and it looked innocent, their family, but in taking all these people, there were problems that he would have to face as a result. And we're going we're gonna to look at that. Um, so he leaves he leaves the Ur of the Chaldees, which is a very high partying seaport city, uh, a lot of sin, and God called him out, Ek, and he went to a place called Haran, and we established the word Haran in the Hebrew is a place of delay. And God let him sit there until he was 75. 15 years of his life out of the will of God. 15 years of his life in a, in, a, in, a, in a delay pattern, if you will. And then the Bible says, and God allowed Terah, his father, to die. And it was at his father's death that Abram woke up and started um, following the will of God. So he left Haran, place of delay, went to Shechem. Uh, uh, it means shoulder in Hebrew, place of strength. And then he went to Mora, M-O-R-E-H, a place of instruction. And once he got to Mora, he was in moving towards Canaan. And the three things that characterized 
his fellowship with God was he pitched the tent, he built an altar, and he called on the name of the Lord. Whenever you see those things in the life of Abraham, they denote that he's in fellowship with um, Almighty God. Now, um, so we had, we, you know, we went over his calling, went over his Canaan, and uh, if we look at chapter 12, verse 1 real quick, and this is all rehashing. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, future tense, and God, he was going, not knowing where he was going, but what are the three critical things that God said? I want you to leave, get away from your country, your kindred, and your father's house. This, this becomes baggage. Um, and sometimes when God is leading us and guiding us, we don't give complete obedience to the command. We tend to carry things. We tend to add things. We tend to, uh, and, and I think all this is part of growing up, we tend to uh, uh, feel that we need certain people close to us when God is calling us out. The egg. Um, and I have yet to see a situation where God is telling you to go in a direction and you carrying folk with you I have yet to see that work out. I have yet to see that work out because there, there is a reason why. Now, 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 let me say this because this is, uh, if you're married, God's not asking you to leave your wife or husband. So if you're waiting on that one, kill it. He, he's not asking you. Um, uh, that's just baggage you got to carry. Right? I mean, that's just a, that's just a mate you got to carry, right? I'm only playing. But listen. Um, and, and, and so God tells him in chapter 12 too, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So we know just in the calling of Abram, everybody on earth going to be blessed. That's interesting. And, um, we also notice that he said, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. So the floodlight is now the spotlight. God is not just shining on a, a whole world. He's now calling a nation. He's calling a family out, uh, the, 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 the family of Abram. And, and um, so um, verse 4 says, he's departed. Uh, as the Lord has spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. So we have a chronological line here. We believe he was 60 when he was first called. Now he's 75. 15 years later, he's on the move um, um, for the Lord. And, and so we dealt with his um, calling as Canaan, verses 4 to 9. But then his carnality, verses 10 to 20, and this is all review, that because a famine showed up in the land where God was leading him, he decided he needs to go into Egypt with his food. He's going down. Now, let's, let's stop pausing park and make this applicable to us. 
God is leading us into some difficulty. And sometimes the leading of God will lead us into some difficulty. It really will. God, God may give you a new job. You get on a new job and uh, boy, you may get hit every which way but loose. God told you to go there. And, and so one of the things that we have to try to understand is that all of God's movements in your life does not mean it's going to be a uh, a pile of roses. The very calling of God may bring on turmoil. The The very calling of God may bring on difficult times. Typically, you know you're in God's will when everything's breaking out. But you got to have the assurance, God told me to be here. God told me to do this. So therefore, when we are in the will of God, faced with difficulty, faced with distress, we got to be still and let God deal with it. Are y'all getting this? God's will will lead you into, at times, not all the times, great difficulty. Great difficulty. Um, some, sometimes God is building in you and I a stick to to stand, to be still, to depend on him. Um, so he went down into Egypt, and going down to Egypt, he, he had to start lying. He lied that Sarai was his sister because she was fine, and he didn't want Pharaoh to kill him and take her. Now, let me throw something to you about ethics. Let's talk about ethics. I know in Philosophy 101 college, they taught us situation ethics. Whatever the situation is, that dictates the ethic. No, that's not biblical. You do not let, uh, you do not use evil to get the good. That's situation ethics. Are y'all with me? Once you change the ethic, you change the will of God. Meaning that um, Abraham had to start lying out of fear because of where he decided to go out of fear because he was fearful that Pharaoh would kill him and take his wife. Now let's talk about fear. Our fears can cause us to break our ethics. We can lie, we can, we can cheat, we can steal, we can fix things up. Um, why is fear so powerful within us? Why, why is this thing of fear, and it's the antithesis of faith, by the way. So you can't have fear and faith. Once you have faith, it dispels fear. Once you have fear, it dispels faith. Why, why is fear so, uh, uh, such, such, a, such a hard thing to deal with? Anybody? What does fear do to us? Yes. It's unknown, absolutely. Yeah, it traumatizes us. We, we don't have assurances uh, when there's fears in our lives, right? Um, 
Thank God. And, you know, every, every time I get on the plane, I'm not fearful, but I'm conscientious. And, and it's, cra it's crazy because I try to be transparent and, and sharing things with you. You know, it's at a cost because you're sitting there saying, Pastor's crazy. After 9-11, man, right after 9-11, 9-11 happened on a Tuesday because we saw it on TV. We had the whole staff come out. And that night I was supposed to go preach at Sharon, and they had closed all the bridges off. I couldn't, I couldn't go over to Philly. And um, right after 9-11, I caught a plane. I had to go somewhere. And I was uh, sitting on the plane, and I, I was just looking around me. And it's a shame, but everybody that had a Mideastern look, and I looked at this one guy the whole trip, and he finally turned around and looked at me like, and inside I felt anger, like, you cough wrong, I'm going to take your head off. You know? I mean, it's crazy stuff. Fear. That emanated from what? Fear. All right. And, and um, so we have our innate fears, don't we? We have fear of failure, fear of um, the unknown, fear of rejection. Fear of rejection is powerful, right? Uh, once you feel that you might be rejected, you got a plan B. And, and, and all this comes about fear. Any, anybody want to comment on their fears? What, what are some of the fears that we have today? Fear of getting old? Yeah. Fear, yes. Loss of confidence. Thank you. That's, that's right. Yes, ma'am. Fear of not accomplishing your goals. Yes, that's real. That's real. Anybody else? All right. Um, yes. Oh, no, I'm not fearful of flying. I'm fearful of people with turbans getting ready to blow the plane up. I, I, I ain't fearful. I was in the Air Force. I ain't fearful. Of, you know. and, and, then, and then my kids jump on me and say, Daddy, you can't say that kind of stuff today. You know, you can't say this today. You know, people are sensitive. So, you know, I got to make some changes there, too. All right? And, and uh, no, I'm serious. And, 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 and as we... As we try to acquiesce, as we try to figure this thing out, all of us have innate fears. What if the unknown? What if this happens? The unknown. Um, you know, I took, my, I took my wife yesterday to see Tarzan. So I'm in the movie. We're on the previews. I got a big bag of popcorn. We're sitting there looking. And, uh, you know, I tell you to silence your phone. And I'm, here's the nearest exit. So what comes to my mind? Somebody come in here with a gun or trying to blow the movie up. So now I'm looking for the exercise. Okay, I got to know how to run out of here. That's fair. Yes, who had their hand up? Yes. It doesn't mean you lack faith. Fears come about because we allow us, we put ourselves in positions of the unknown. If this happens, I'm vulnerable. And, and we don't talk about vulnerabilities. 
All of us are vulnerable about stuff that we don't disclose, we don't talk about, right? Everybody has some element of fear. I mean, don't get me wrong, we do. We just, that, that, that comes with the old nature. We just, we, we are fearful of things taking place, and, and really, once fear come up, it's out of our control. It has overruled um, our confidence, good word, confidence base, and, and, we all, and we all have these fears. So, so I want to kind of get back to this fact that um, he broke his ethic when he went down into Egypt, and, um, and then we see Abraham's courage in chapter 14, where the battle of the five kings, they came and kidnapped, here it is, his nephew Lot, took him away, so now he's got to fight, so he arms 350 of his men, and Abraham goes fight, and, re, and, and he, um, he gets Lot back, and, 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 the good, and the booty, the goods, and all that, and we see a courage in there, and then we see his communion in chapter 14, 17, and 24 with Melchizedek as he runs into this priest of Salem, this king of Salem, who's a priest. He's a type of Christ, and he tied into Melchizedek 10%, and was tithing into his posterity for the future. So we, we, see his, we see his courage fighting in chapter 14, 1 to 16. We see his communion, and then we come up to the Abrahamic covenant. Turn to chapter 15, because this is major. In this Abrahamic covenant, and we're going to go back and look at some of the real practical issues with Abraham. And after these things, well, after what things? I'm glad you asked. Well, chapter 14... After he spent time with Melchizedek and worshipped him, um, and these kings, these five kings that Abraham had helped to win this war, came to Abraham and said, you know what? We want to give you riches, gold, jewels, money. And Abraham said, no, I don't want anything from you. Um, I will not take anything from you. I do not want houses, and I, I do not want anything from you. And this is interesting because when you get to chapter 15, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not. Now, now, now Abraham is depicted as the father of faith, but Abraham had a lot of fears. He had a fear. He had a fear. That's what sent him into Egypt. Remember that? He had fears like we have fears. And one of the things that we have to do is to acknowledge and be honest with our fears. I, yeah, I, I, have some, I have some things that kind of keep me up at night. I have some fears that I need to trust the Lord with. I need to put a rest to this because it disturbs my peace. That's what fears will do. It'll, it'll disturb uh, my peace. If I, don't, if I don't get rule over it, it'll get rule over me, right? So uh, this, this matter of um, the covenant says, after these things, the word of the Lord came in the vision, fear not, Abram, I am, ego e me, I am your protection, I'm your shield, 
and I am your exceedingly great reward. You don't have to take money from these wicked kings. I got your back. Now, this is God coming to Abram. He says two things. I'm your protection. I'm going to protect you. And when God is for you, he's more than the world against you. And God does not protect us because we're good. Sometimes we're not good and God's protecting us. Sometimes we're not faithful and God is protecting us. Do I have a witness? Sometimes we're not ethical and God's protecting us. So here we go. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And, 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 and Abram said, Lord God, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? Now, Sarah, I can't have children. And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. Here's what Abraham said. You know what? You don't have to give me a child. I'll just leave everything to Eleazar, my servant. He's a good man. He's a good man. You know, the power of our doubt, and we got some doubt too. The power of our doubt can deviate God's intentional vision for your life. Because we can't, it's not that God can't, we can't believe when too many, when too many physical, psychological factors arise, it, it kind of puts us in a box. We do it all the time. My sister here was honest enough to say, well, as you get older and you have not reached your goals, you have not uh, actualized your so-called personal vision, you start to become fearful. Okay, that's real. Um, if you were to ask me, I, by the grace of God, I've had a, I've, to me, I've had a great life. But if you were to ask me, Pastor, are there things that you um, would, would love to do, would love to have, or whatever? I said, oh, absolutely. I had a great childhood life, great teenage life, great young adult life, you know, had a, had a great ministerial pastor. You know, it had something downs, but hey, the Lord's been good. But if you were really to catch me and say, well, are there things that you have not accomplished? I said, yeah, they are. But I've walked with God long enough to know that some of those things if I never have them, God's got something better. In other words, I'm not saying, well, here's the vision for my life. I got to have this to be happy. No, I don't. I've, I've been in God's presence too long to know that we don't even know what we need. We don't even know what we want. We think we do. And somewhere... Along the line, the Spirit of God is going to challenge what you think you need to be happy. What you think you need to be happy, you may get it and it may not make you happy. The word happiness is an overindulged word. I, and, 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 and the reason I challenge people with that all the time, especially church folks, say folk, you say, well, I just want to be happy. What does that mean? You got doctor appointments, dentist appointments, you get low on money, 
Your children get on your last nerve. Come on now. You've been married 40 years and you're still struggling in your relationship. It's, it's all right. We're among friends here. You really don't feel fulfilled in every area. That's human nature. And, and, if, and if you buy that lie that I got to be fulfilled before I die, you, you're going down a long road there, Doc. See, there was more substance to what Jesus prayed in that garden than we know. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die. I don't want to be hung up on no cross. I don't want you to turn your head away from me for the first time in all eternity. I don't want to go through with this. Nevertheless, here's the prayer. Not my will, but may thine will be done. Now, now, let me tell you the power of that prayer. Here's what you're saying to God. If you don't give me what I'm asking for, that's fine. Just give me what you want me to have because that's better. Are y'all getting that? Not my will, but may thine will. And Father knows best, don't he? Thine will be done. When you sit there in a prayerful mood saying, I got to have this, you're telling God that my will is better than your will. And Psalm 37 says, when your desires become his desires, ask what you want. It'll be done unto you. So this, this form of so what am I saying? Am I going to accomplish everything before the day I die? No. Neither are you. But that's okay. There's going to be joy in the presence of Jesus. And, and, and so... Um, One, one of the things that we learned from Abraham in this covenant is that look how God answers him about Eleazar. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, verse 3, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now, he's 75 years old at this point. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now, this is God talking to Abram, toward heaven and tell the stars, if, you, if you're able to number them, and then look towards the sea and look at the sand on the sea. And he believed in the Lord, verse 6, that this, this, this is the answer to the equation. And Abraham believed God. And God reckoned it for righteousness. Now, so we're saved by grace through faith. So here, here's what God says. What did Abraham believe about God? That God was going to ultimately give him his own seed. He believed God's word. He believed God's report. And God's word was against nature, against logic. But he still believed God. 
this, this, this thing gets so deep. Um, God may come to us and tell us, I'm, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. He may not be, he may, he may not specify it to the point that we like him to specify, but there will always be challenges to what God says to you. God's going to let you see the challenge. Are y'all getting this? Hmm. Well, how can God do this when I'm in this situation? Um, so what happens in chapter 15 is the Abrahamic covenant where God is promising him, amen, certain things. And then chapter 16 <laughs> is God, God's test to test Abraham and what God just said. Boy, you get this thing. I just told you I'm your shield and exceeding great reward. I just told you, regardless of your age and Sarai's inability to have a baby, I'm going to let your baby come out of your bowels. I just told you that. And you believed that, and I reckoned it for righteousness. Now here comes the test. The test always comes on the heels of what God just said to you. Are y'all getting this? Well, the Lord said everything going to be all right. Now all hell breaking out. <laughs> Woo! My goodness. Sister Gordon and I got married 28 years ago. I was pastoring before we got married. And uh, so sometime, I, you know, I was going to Tony Evans. I was, I was going to Dallas the first 10 years of my pastor. Me and Tony got tight. I was confiscating all his material and bringing it back. And so Sister Gordon became pregnant with Ray, and she was like in her eighth month. So I said, uh, I want you to meet me down in Dallas. And she, she's real big, and she, she had to fly to Pittsburgh, and some, something happened to the plane in Pittsburgh. So she had to stay at this little hotel near the airport. She had no baggage or whatever, whatever she went through. And she met us down in Tony Evans, and Tony, you know, we was all down there, and she showed up, and I said, my God, poor thing, this was, she took, a, she's taking all these trips to be with me, you know, yeah. and she was very uh, subdued, um, didn't, didn't complain, and I said, maybe I married the right one, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and uh, she's walking around like this, you know, and I, Never, never forget that. And uh, when we look back on it, I said, man, I was kind of selfish to ask you to fly like that and meet me halfway across the country to, to, a, to, a, to a conference, you know. And uh, it, it just, certain things come back. Would I, would I do that today? No, because she ain't pregnant. <laughs> but, 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 but my point is that um, my God. And then one of the ministers down there was teasing her, and she, she got, she copped it out. I was laughing. But, uh, when you start to look back, you start to say, from, from, from this perspective, you look back and say, wow, um, if we had to do this all over again, maybe we would have done something different. 
Isn't that right? Isn't that part of growing up? I know we all have our episodes, don't we? And um, so the fact of the matter is, is that uh, Abraham, like us, he's getting tested. He, because chapter 16, Sarai's problem, and don't miss this, Sarai's problem is not Abraham's problem. See, Abraham's problem is, I like my own son. Sarai was barren. So Sarai goes to Abraham, and in reality, Sarai is bitter with God. She's bitter with God. You are the one holding my womb up. So therefore, Abraham, since God won't answer my prayer, Come on into my Egyptian handmaid, and this will be your son. Are y'all getting this? So Sarai had her own issues that she put on her husband. Yeah, passing the buck. And of course, Abraham didn't reject. And, and once they had Isaac, and God said, name him Isaac, because it means laughter, because you are laughing. And in chapter 16, there's something that emerges where God says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, God, we need to run with that. Abraham, is there anything? Too hard for me. Mm. And, and, and so, the, you know, the story goes on. They, they have a baby. Uh, 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 ultimately, uh, he goes into the handmaid. They have, they, her name is Hagar. They have Ishmael, who's the father of the Muslim nation, Ishmael. And God's going to take care of Ishmael. Ishmael is a wild man. So Isaac is coming late. Now, now let me stop pausing part because I got my counselor here, Leroy and others. Sherman, his wife, marriage classes. Uh, blended families are a blessing, but they can be hell. And my position is, as your pastor, you, you at least need to know the hell you're getting ready to get into. And it needs to be a solid, commitment and stick to between husband and wife before you even walk this out. You got it. This thing is hard. It's hard enough for Joan. I've looked at my kids and said, these ain't my kids. They act crazy. They ain't mine. I ain't, you know. This thing is tough. So, there aren't that many good families in the Bible. And we don't see because the pastors and are not teaching the word. You sitting out there thinking you the exemption clause. Oh no. David was a terrible father. Solomon was a terrible father. I, I go around down, you know, Eli was out of the question. And these guys had some high positions with God. It's not automatic that we're going to be good parents. 
It's not automatic that coming together with another person is going to work out all the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this Bible, man. And I, 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 I personally believe the greatest father in the Bible was Joseph, husband of Mary. And, and the Bible don't even say that much. It says he was the just man. Because all the stuff he accepted, God's hand was on him. Are y'all getting this? I want us to learn to be practical. What if? Let's, let's put ourselves in these patriarchs. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of the biblical characters. Jeremiah called God a liar in Jeremiah. Are you altogether a liar to me? Jeremiah was bitter. His whole ministry was in the negative. His family rejected him. He, he had to eat manure. He's called the weeping prophet because all he did was cry. Everybody hated him because he brought a message of doom. Are y'all understanding this? They couldn't stand Jeremiah. He got upset with God. Look at Job. Look, look, at, look at, I mean, when we start looking at biblical characters, they had flaws like we have flaws. Um, my God. And, and there aren't that many good parents in the Bible. There are some. Samson's parents were great parents, but Samson was crazy. Samson ain't want no Israelite woman. He wanted a Philistine woman. Are you on business? So my point is, what do we glean from, you know, um, these scriptures and all of it, all that we have, saints, are the models we grew up under. My God. Now think about what I'm saying. Let's say you had a bad model. Let's say you witness alcoholism, drug, drugs. Let's say you witness some horrible things. Let's say some horrible things happen to you. Don't think that after you get 18, 19 and get out, that now you're going to be all right. Because more is caught than taught. It has been proven, Leroy, if you came from a divorced family, divorce is easy for you. Are y'all getting this? My mother, my, my mother and father was together 60-something years. And I, you know, and I witnessed some of the stuff they went through. And it was, you know, they, they were just, that generation was committed. They were committed. You worked it out. You didn't get on Facebook. You didn't tweet that you, that you was chasing your mate around the house with a knife. Or, you know, you. Um, you worked it out. I saw, I, saw, I saw couples that got married, and, and they have a big argument, and the, and, and the wife would pack up, and uh, she'd run back to her mother's house and said, I, I, mother said, you can't come back here. You, you got to go back. That's, see, that's some old folk. Now, I ain't talking about being physical, because you should not ever remain in the situation where there's hitting and being physical. 
you, you should separate and get counseling and pray and whatever, whatever, whatever. Or, uh, or just hit them back. <laughs> yeah. that's, your, that's your pastor talking. Just, just slide them, you know. So, so my point is that um, I'm only playing. No. Um, so Abraham gets to chapter 17 real quick. And this is the Abrahamic covenant. More so, God tells him to circumcise. He's 99 years old. 99. Running out of time. Still don't have an offspring. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham, verse 1, and said unto him, I am the almighty God, El uh, El Shaddai, I'm the big-breasted one. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will uh, multiply exceeding glad. Now, we know in chapter 15, God laid out, I think chapter 15, God put Abraham to sleep and laid out animals to ratify a covenant with him and in verse 21, it says, but my covenant will I establish with who? Isaac, which Sarah futuristically shall bear unto thee at this set time next year. In God deep. You 99, she 90, and I'm going to wait another year. And then she's going to bear a child named Isaac. I'm already naming him. And my covenant will be with him. And, 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 and part of this walk with the Lord is delay. There's some things God is delaying for a reason. You know, he doesn't come as fast as we want him to come all the time. He's delaying some things. And, and I, I want to kind of expedite this and move, move us. Um, so he's 99 when the Lord appears to him. He circumcises Every male in this house, the eighth day they were born, that's a covenant. And, um, and, that, and that was still Israel's covenant. Uh, all male children had to be circumcised the eighth day. And, and then in chapter 18, we see the uh, compassion uh, uh, of Abraham. And, and um, um, he's by the trees of Mamre and three... Men walk up, I guess they all looked alike. One was the Lord Jesus Christ pre-incarnate, and they started negotiating over Sodom because God's going to destroy Sodom. And, and God said, if I find 50, I'll spare the city. So Abraham said, wait a minute, Lord. Abraham went all the way down, I think, to five, no, to 10. God says, okay, if I find 10, I'll spare the city. They couldn't find 10. God said, I need to destroy Sodom Gomorrah, because the wickedness has come up to heaven. Um, and then in chapter uh, 20, Abraham lies again about his wife, Sarai. <laughs> uh, one commentator said, the repeat of a sin means we have not really dealt with. Um, and then there's celebration in chapter 21. Let's turn to chapter 21. Um, this is great reading too, by the way. Great reading. 
Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Chapter 21, um, and I want you to see, it's the birth of Isaac. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, a year later. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and buried him a son in his old age. And at uh, the set time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham called the name of his son that was born Isaac. And Abraham circumcised him, verse 4, the eighth day. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God have made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And the child grew, verse 8, and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. Now, 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 check this out. You get this. Now that Isaac is born, their, 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 their son of promise, Hagar's son, Ishmael, the son of the flesh, has to go. Let's look at this from a perspective of an allegory. James in, in um, Galatians chapter 4, there's an allegory there. One son represents promise, the other son represents flesh. One son represents spirit, the other son represents flesh. Why would God, he, he covered Abraham's sin when Abraham had Ishmael, through Hagar, the 19-year-old uh, Egyptian maid. Ishmael is older than Isaac, of course. Ishmael was probably 8 to 12 years old when Isaac was born. So Sarai begins to look at Hagar with disdain because Hagar teased Sarai for years because she couldn't have children. Now, here's what I'm about to say. God told Abraham to yield to his wife and get rid of Hagar, get rid of Ishmael. But what, why, why would God, so God was a loving God. Why would God throw them out of the house, take her and her son and get them out? Because spiritually, listen to what pastor is about to say, the spirit and the flesh cannot coexist. See, this is the whole argument against this culture we live in. You can't have half flesh and half spirit. You can't come to church on Sunday and negate everything Monday through Saturday. God is saying the two don't coexist. They, they can't coexist. Now, we got two natures. There's conflict every day, right? But what God is sending is this. That, John chapter 3, that which is of the flesh is flesh. That which is of the spirit is spirit. There is a total demarcation between the two. God is instituting that. So we, we have to look at this from God's perspective. And of course, they put Hagar, and, and the angel of the Lord met Hagar as she was being thrown out of the house and said, I'm going to take care of you and your son. He's a wild man, but I'm going to take care, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He'll be great. He'll have a great posterity. All of them. And, and, and the reason we have 
all this conflict in the Middle East, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, uh, all of Syria, is because of Abraham's sin. The Palestinians and the, and the, and the Muslims are the Jews' brothers, half-brothers. Are y'all getting this? And, 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 I try, and I don't want you to go buy no Quran, but in the Quran, see, Abraham is the father of Christians. Abraham is the father of Muslims. Abraham is the father of Jews. He's the father of all three groups. Are y'all getting this? And, and, and so, uh, you know, we laugh, but the true Muslims, they don't eat pork. Well, the Jews didn't eat pork. Leviticus chapter 11. Isn't that right? You can look at that dietary chapter if you want to. They couldn't eat pork. They couldn't eat shrimp. They couldn't eat crabs. That, that diet was very strict. Half the stuff y'all eat every day, you couldn't eat under law. You couldn't eat it under law. So you get to 1 Timothy, Paul says, whatever's blessed in his name, it'll be chocolate roaches. Go on and eat it. <laughs> you, you, you know, so we don't have those rules over us. Are y'all getting this? We don't have those rules over us. We're free, whom the Son has said, we're free from the ceremonial law. We're free from the diet law. We're free. What I eat has nothing to do with who I believe in. How I dress has nothing to do with who I believe in. Are y'all getting this? And, 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 and so when you start to put this Bible together, and, and, and we see Abraham, and, and, and Abraham was a, a, a great man who made mistakes. But at, at chapter 22, here's my last C, it's his Calvary. And we all gonna have to go to Calvary. Chapter 22, go to chapter 22.